Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, it's so great to have you all here this morning. Hey, I, uh, five and a half months ago, our family, had we've built a house, we've moved into the area, we love in the community that, that here we are together. And so one of the things that we just thought is, it's kind of like a, a line in the sand marking moment. Where we went, all right, we've got the house now, we're in the area, it's time to make it official. And so we thought, you know what, what better way to make it official than to build a veggie patch? So we're like, cool, all right, we're gonna build a veggie patch. So we all jumped in the car, we drove down to Bunnings and I said, all right, kids, we walked to the aisle where all the seeds were. So we walked into the aisle and I said, all right, kids, Go for your life, pick whatever you want. And so we all kind of, all five of us kind of began to look at all the different seed packets everywhere. And, you know, Jude, he's our youngest, he's five, he's still working out reading. So he's just looking at pictures and going, oh, that one. Uh, and the others are kind of looking at things. They're looking at pictures, looking at words and going, oh, I like that one over that one. And there's a little bit of debate and whatever else. And anyway, we eventually got to the point where we picked five bags of seeds and we walked out of Bunnings. And we arrived home with our five packets of seeds and we built our sand, uh, no, sand pit, we built our veggie patch and then we prepared the soil and then we dug little lines and then we kind of sprinkled seed. We looked at the little bag, all right, you got this amount of seeds, this distance, whatever else. And so we, we did the little rows of seeds and then we covered them all up and we all stood back with a sense of pride in the fact that we had planted stuff. And then Shadi made a really, really great, uh, or had a really great thought. She said, should we put little tags to describe and to tell us which line is which particular uh, vegetable. Now, question. All right, crowd participation. All right, I've been stuck here by myself for a long time, so I just, I need a little bit of crowd participation this morning. Just put your hand up if you are a rule keeper. So, you know, like, these are the rules, and you kind of, you know, where like, all right, cool, cool, rule keepers in the house, awesome. All right, good. Now, just leave your hand out for a moment. Leave your hands up. All right, rule keepers. All right, Put your hand up if you're a rule breaker. All right, so like rules are kind of optional. Not that I'm judging anyone here because my two hands are up. All right, cool. Okay, and then there's, the, and there's some people are doing this. I'm, I don't know if they're confused. Anyway, all right, all right. Now, for the, all the, the rule keepers, sorry, rule breakers, just keep your hand up for a second with me. All right, all rule keepers, look judgingly at them. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. All right. Now, I looked at Shadi. She said, we should do a little name, describe, you know, the, the whatever it is down here. And I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that because I like mystery and I'm a rule breaker. We don't need no signs. It's all the adventure. Like, it's all kind of just this thing where we're just, it's like a big mystery. They're going to pop up. We're going to, oh, well, that's that. I don't know. Like, uh, so I said, no signs in our house. We don't need signs. We're not going to do signs. So she went, okay. I need to confess something to you this morning. But a big, deep confession. Confession goes like this. I should have listened to my wife. She is right. Because what happened is over the next month or so, around about the same time COVID broke out and we walked into supermarkets, you know, it's the kind of the year, 2020, the year of defined by the lack of toilet paper. You know, you walk into the supermarket and there's all sorts of random things that are missing. And I'm like, no, no, it's good, it's good. I've got a veggie patch we can't buy any of that stuff. That's fine. We've got veggie patches. We got, I don't know what's in it, but stuff. So it's good. And, and, and so I'm all excited, the fact that we've got a veggie patch. No matter what we can't buy in the supermarket, I've got a veggie patch. And it was great 
until they started to grow and they all kind of looked the same. And I was looking at them going, now I'm not sure which is fennel or which is dill or which is beetroot or which is potatoes because they all kind of look the same. But I know that there's like the tops of some that you can eat and the bottom parts of others in there. But I have no idea which is the top of the bottom and the which in the bottom. I don't know. And so, so I had no problem in being able to grow veggies in my veggie patch. But what I did have a problem is, is trying to figure out which is the one to eat and the top and the bottom and the everything else. You see, I, I, some of them were able to figure out fairly early on we were able to eat them. And, and we were able to choose some, some vegetables in our, in, our, in our veggie patch that were good. But then there was other vegetables in our vegetable patch that were bad. Because I didn't know if I was supposed to eat the top or the bottom or if that was dill or if that was a who knows what. I didn't know if it was a weed that had just kind of sprung up or if it was rocket because they all look kind of somewhat the same. And so what we discovered is that eventually a bunch of the healthy, tasty vegetables that we grew went to rot and went to ruin and went to waste simply because we didn't know what they were. You see, each one of us are a little bit like my veggie patch. We all will grow fruit. There's no doubt. Every one of us will grow fruit. We will produce something from our lives. But the question I want to pose to each one of us this morning is what type of fruit are you growing? The big idea that I got for each one of us this morning is just simply this thought. When you're faithful to God in the hard times, you will be faithful in His time. When you're faithful to God in the hard times, you will be faithful in His time. See, we all know this. We all know we're living in a complicated, difficult, unprecedented, that's the word, unprecedented and unwanted times. For some, it's been a very difficult time. For some, it's been a very painful time. For some, I know that you've lost jobs or you've lost hours at work. I, I know the challenges for many of you that's happened, but then there's the other flip side. There's, there's those that COVID-19 has made your industry and your business more crazy and bonkily mental than ever. And so you're, you're incredibly tired and exhausted because all that life and business and work is throwing at you. But regardless of wherever and what your circumstances look like, our, our society has been gripped with fear and anxiety. But this morning... I want to declare some hope. This morning, I want to declare some life into whatever it is that we're facing because God produces good fruit in hard seasons. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to jump into Jeremiah chapter 24. And if you're old school, you've got a Bible like mine. If you're new school, you've probably got a device. And if, you, if you're no school, then you can actually just watch the screen behind me. So whichever school you want to sit yourself in this morning, that's totally fine. But we're, I'm going to invite you to open up to Jeremiah chapter 24. And while you're doing that, I just want to give you a little bit of context of what this passage is all about, what's going on at this particular time. For 200 years... God had been warning the nation of Israel. For 200 years, he's been saying and pleading with the nation of Israel that what you need to do is you need to stop worshiping the other gods and stop bowing down to them. Otherwise, you'll be defeated and exiled. 
So for 200 years, God's been saying this. And then enters the prophet Jeremiah. Prophet was someone that heard from God and went to the king and said, this is what God is saying to our nation. This is what God is saying to you. And so after 200 years of saying the same thing, God's been saying, he's tried something new. So he gets Jeremiah, a different person, a new person, a young person. He comes to the king and he says, king, king, listen to what I'm saying. This is what the word of God is. We've got to turn. We've got to turn from our ways. We've got to stop doing what we're doing. We've got to stop worshiping other gods and we've got to come back to God. But in 590 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem and he carries off their treasures and he carries off their leaders and he carries off the treaties. Basically anyone who is at all useful, he takes all of those and he takes them as captives and slaves back to Babylon, leaving behind kind of the ones that really weren't very useful to much and a ruined city. And two things happen. Two things happen. And it's in this complicated, difficult, unprecedented, unprecedented and unwanted season. Two things happen. So let's jump into to Jeremiah 24, verse 1, starting verse 1. And it says this, After Jehoiachin, son of Jehoah, king, king of Judah and the officials, sorry, king of Judah and the officials, the skilled workers and the artists of Judah were carried off in this exile from Jerusalem to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. The Lord showed me two baskets of figs placed in front of the temple. One basket with very, had very good figs like those of, that ripened early, and the other basket had very bad figs, so bad that they could not be eaten. Then the Lord asked me, What do you see, Jeremiah? Figs, I answered. The good ones are very good, and the bad ones are not so very good and cannot be eaten. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Like these good things, I regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I sent away from the place to the land of the Babylonians. My eyes will watch over them and uh, will watch over them for their good, and they will bring back to the land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God and they will return to me with all their hearts. But like the bad figs, which is so bad that they cannot be eaten, says the Lord, so will I deal with Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his officials and the survivors from Jerusalem, whether they remain in this land or live in the land of Egypt. So two things happen here. Two things happen. One, we have, a, we have one group that, proof, that produces good fruit and one group that produces bad fruit. Have you ever eaten a perfectly ripe strawberry? You know, have you ever eaten a, a perfectly ripe strawberry that is like, you know, they're just, it's perfect. You know, when, when you get it out and it's that perfect kind of ruby red, it's not, you know, it's kind of not got the, the white kind of little bit on it and it's not sort of pale, but it's that perfectly red color. You know, when you pick it up and it's, and it's not mushy, it, it's not too soft, but it's also not too hard. Like you can't bounce it off the ground and, yeah, but, but it's just kind of that moment where it's like 
perfectly juicy. And when you bite into it, it's a little bit juicy and it's got sweetness, but a little bit of tartness, but it's just that perfect texture where it's, again, it's not real hard where it's crunchy, but it's just soft. And anyone else want to eat strawberries right now? Yeah, good. You know, and, and you get it. And there is almost nothing more amazing than a perfectly good, ripe strawberry is there. Do you know what I realized? There's a fine line between ripe and rotten. Because I can go back to that same packet of strawberries, the same punnet of strawberries that I just had the beautiful one. I can go back a day or, or two days later and they can look a little bit like these ones that I grabbed out of my fridge this morning. And when you open them and you're so, you know that moment where you're full of excitement, you open it, and it's kind of got that little crack as it opens and then you look in it. And then if you look in it like this one, this one's got like a little mustache growing on the side of it. And, uh, and it's kind of, it's no longer any good. And you start looking around and I'm start going, I am not eating anything from within that pot. Have you ever noticed there's a really close gap between ripe and rotten? A matter of days, a matter of moments, and all of a sudden what was perfect is now not quite so perfect anymore. God in his, gives this vision of figs, a good fig and a bad fig. And he talks about the good figs were represented by, by those who were carried off to Babylon and slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that story and I went, I'm pretty sure God got it the wrong way around. Like surely the ones that, that, are, that are good and that produce good fruit, they were the ones that stay behind. I mean, how does, how does bad things turn into good things? I mean, like, I mean, slavery and captivity and having to be ripped away and taken away from it. How is that all of a sudden good? But God says, and he brings us back to this plan. He goes, because, and these were the ones that became acceptable before God. And then you've got the bad figs. The bad figs are represented by the ones that were left behind in this ruined city. And some of them ran off to Egypt. And they became the unacceptable, unacceptable ones to God. You notice that both, whether they stayed or were ripped away, both of them went through incredibly difficult and challenging and hard seasons. Both of them went through moments in life where they went, I wish that didn't happen. But the key was that one group returned to God with all of their heart. Whilst the other group was kind of a little bit smug and a little bit cocky and a little bit, we don't really need God anymore. And they didn't return to God with all their heart. I want you to... Remember today, I want you to be filled with hope today, realizing that when you're faithful to God in the hard times, you'll be faithful in His time. See, there's three promises, three promises that, that God gives the nation of Israel through this passage. And there's three possible that God promises that God wants to give us this morning. Three promises that no matter where you are, no matter what season you feel like you are in, three promises that God wants to bring hope and restore faith in you again. The first promise is this one. The God watches over you. In verse six, it says this. My eyes will watch over them for what? Turn the screen. For, for their good. You see, what I find interesting is despite the season of whichever group you might think you're in or whatever group they found themselves in, 
whether they're in exile, slaves and captives in a faraway nation, or they're left behind to fend for themselves in the middle of the rubble. God was there to protect the remnant. He was there to protect the remnant that was left behind. And he was there to protect the remnant that were found themselves in exile. And in his timing, he brought them back again. In, in God's timing, he's bringing us back to him again. You see, I know that for, for so many of us, this last few months has been a really difficult season. It's been a season where people have begun to question, does God really see what's been going on? Does God really know what's going on? You know, I feel like God has kind of forgotten me and somehow God has kind of left me in the mix and the mess that I find myself in. And when I needed God the most, I found himself lagging. And I don't know if that's how you're feeling this morning, if you've how you've been feeling over the last five months, but I want us to bring us to a passage in Luke chapter 8. So the story is told about Jesus encountering a woman who for the last 12 years has, has been wrestling with her menstrual cycle, which has been non-stop for 12 years. And, and, and she's been ostracized by her community. And she's, she's not allowed to be held by a husband and she's not allowed to hold her children because she's, she's unclean in the eyes of that community. And, and in the midst of all of this, in the midst of her loneliness, in the midst of her feeling like that she's unseen, that no one really cares, that God doesn't really care and all of those things. In the middle of her desperation, we know the story, read the story where she comes in the middle of a large crowd because she's heard about this man named Jesus and she is desperate for a breakthrough. She's desperate for something. And so in the middle of this loud, this large crowd where she's not supposed to be, she sneaks in and she just goes, you know, I just know, I know, I know. If I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch him, then he's my only hope. And in the middle of that desperation, she reaches out and she touches the bottom of Jesus's cloak or jacket. And instantly, she's healed. And what I love about this story is that what sands me and I love about this story is that nobody saw this sick and desperate woman except for Jesus. See, the community just saw what this woman had and the condition that she wrestled with. But Jesus saw a person. See, God watches over you. Every Friday afternoon, I take our youngest son, Jude, for his swimming lessons just at a, at a local pool down the road. And I was sitting watching him do his swimming lessons during, uh, on Friday night. And, and there's a sign that I look at every single week at the, the little kind of kiddie pool that's next to it. And the sign looks like this, or this is actually the sign. It says, please watch your child, not your mobile. And I was reading this sign and I was kind of a little bit challenged, a little bit convicted as I kind of just hid my phone away once again. And, and, and as I read this sign, I felt God just encourage me and want to encourage you this morning and saying, that's how, that's what God does. See, God never took his eyes off Israel. God never took his eyes off them. He, he, God never forgot about them. That God's promise is that He is with you and that He is for you. That God never forgot about what you were going through and the wrestles that you've been through. That God didn't, that God saw everything that we all went through. That God watches over you. 
and that he sees you in your hard seasons. But like the woman in Luke chapter 8, are we desperate for more of God? Are we desperate enough to do whatever it takes to just kind of just get a, a, a fresh touch, just to, to, get, to get a fresh connection with God? Are we desperate enough to reach out and touch Him? So the first promise is that God watches over you. The second promise is that God will build you. Verse, uh, verse six again says this, and I will bring them back to their land and I will build them up and not tear them down. For 200 years, God had been telling his people for 200 years, he'd given them a chance time and time again. It's like every morning before school, I, I kind of get a glimpse because every morning before school, I've got to tell my kids to go and get ready for what feels like the 200th time. Go brush your teeth for the 300th time. And yet God here is saying to them, he's been giving them chances over and over and over and over again. But God was faithful to his promise to Israel. And God brought them back to Jerusalem. And God brought them back to rebuild the walls and God brought them back to rebuild their homes and God brought them back to rebuild the temple and he brought them back again. But this time he, he, do it, he did it to build them up. See, I reckon as they came back, they would have been more stronger in who they are in their faith. They would have been stronger in, in, in what God had been teaching them while they were in exile, in captivity, in slavery. And God wants to do something in you this morning. You see, as I've been thinking through and praying over this for the last few weeks, God keeps bringing this phrase back to my mind time and time again. And I feel like someone here needs to hear that this morning. Someone here needs to realize again this morning that maybe what you've been going through wasn't meant to break you, but was meant to make you what you've been going through and the wrestles and the up and the down and the challenges, whether it's relationally, work-wise, whatever it might be, wasn't meant to break you, but was meant to make you. You see, there is a fine line between ripe and rotten. There's a fine line between what, what God is doing. You know, there's a fine line between, between the perfect strawberry and it being rotten. But there's also a fine line between something that might have been meant to break you or seem like it could break you and what God is about to do through you. I mean, imagine for a moment what it must have been like to be one of the Jews. I mean, imagine for a moment what it must have been like to, you know, you're kind of just doing your normal thing, and then all of a sudden an invading nation comes in, destroys your city, rips you out of your home and away from your family and everything else, takes you as a slave and a captive away, and you begin to ask the rational question, which is why? God, why would you do this? I mean, I know we kind of ignored you for 200 years, but like besides that, we're pretty good people. Uh, you know, God, why would you allow this to happen? And it seems like there's a bit of a, when as God asks that, or they ask that question, God is silent. See, it doesn't make sense. You know, we sang that song at the start of the service called Waymaker. It's a song that's been on repeat in, my, in the office here and in my car and at home. It's been a song that I've just, it's almost become a declaration that I've been making over our family, over my life and over this church. 
It's a declaration that I've begun as I sit in my office all alone because I don't want anyone else to hear my amazingly lack of gifted singing. Uh, and, and I've been sitting in my office singing it over your lives and declaring it over our church's life. It says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. God, even when I don't see it, God, even when I don't feel it, God, even the moments where I doubt and I wonder, God, even in the middle of the challenges that I've been facing as a, as, a, as a church, a state, and a nation, God, in the moments where I've been wondering what you're doing, God, even when I don't see it, God, even when I don't feel it, God, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have faith in you that says, God, I know, I know, I know that you are working even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it. I know that you are still working. And for some of you this morning, what you need to do is you need to prophetically declare that over your life, over your family, over your circumstances. Say, God, you know what? This is how I'm feeling. The challenge is, is God's not shocked by how you're feeling. He knows what you're feeling. But what we need to do is we need to take a moment and say, God, you know what? This is what I'm feeling. Or this is what I'm not feeling. But God, this morning, I'm going to declare this week as I walk into work or home or whatever it might be, God, I'm gonna declare that even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, I'm gonna have faith and I'm gonna declare and I'm gonna prophesy that you are working in my life. God, that you are doing something in me. God, that you are going to use this to build me. But you know what? He's not just building you. He's not just building your life and your family's life, but he's actually been building his church. He's been building the church that, that he said the gates of hell can't even come against. He's, he's been building his church here. And you know what? I wanna share some stuff about what God's been doing throughout church. In a season where we've, we've not been able to do this, we've not been able to gather together, God has still been working. And the moments where I'm sure that you haven't seen it happening and you don't feel like it's happening, God has been working through His church. There's a, a lady in our church who's on one of our worship teams called Melissa Pacoa. And as it all broke out, she came in and said, I, I just wanna help, what can we do? How can I help? How can we, how can we serve our church community and our community around us? And over these last four months or so, through something that, that Melissa's been part of at, at Gateway, Melissa sent out over 420 food hampers to many of you and to people in our local community. A no touch, ring a doorbell, you open the door and there's a whole lot of bags of groceries and some boxes of HelloFresh on behalf of our church. So you know what, we can't be here physically, but we want to make a difference for you. And we want to care for you in these moments of need. You know what, during COVID-19, we also had a great idea of let's launch a bunch of life groups. Some of which have worked really well, some of which we're still trying to work out. I mean, we started a life group with, with some amazing people in it. People who lived all the way from Carindale through to Jimboomba. And so we've been meeting online together and we've seen what God has done as we've gathered together, even in a virtual, you know, on a screen world. I, I keep hearing stories of, of people making meals for each other and dropping them off to each other's houses. I hear stories about how people are making phone calls and sending messages to each other just to say, hey, thinking for you, praying for you, how can we help and all sorts of things. Because, because even though the church as service has been shut, the church has not been shut. 
You know, I, I hear stories about how people are like, you know, I just want to connect with people and I want to care for people. And I know that we can't, we can't meet in person. And we can't touch each other. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn up to your house and I'm going to sit on one side of a screen door. You're going to sit on the other side of a screen door. And at least we can have a conversation, social distancing apart from each other. And I've heard stories of people going to each other's houses and, chalk, and talking through screen doors so that they can still connect and still care. See, God is building you, but He's also building His church. And some of you this morning have been going through seasons of challenges and difficult places. But I want to say to you this morning that it's not sent to break you, but to make you. If only we'll surrender to Him. See, when we're faithful to God in hard times, you will be faithful Sorry, you'll be fruitful in his time. And lastly, the last promise that God says is that God has a promise. I love verse 7. Verse 7 says this, I will give them a heart to know me, and I will be their Lord, and they will be my people. And I will be their God, for they will return to me with all of their heart. I love this because here we find themselves a nation who's been unfaithful to God and yet a God who is faithful to them. You know, I love the fact that we see here is that, that God is faithful. That God shows them that He has promises for their lives. And as they return to Jerusalem, as they did, as they begin to build the walls, rebuild the walls as they did, as they begin to rebuild their families and their homes, they begin to rebuild the temple. God was with them and God was for them, even though they turned their back on God. Repentance is a, is a weird Christian word. It's a word that we kind of all get guilty and we all feel like the naughty kid in school. But I want to declare that repentance isn't any of those things. Repentance is simply a gift from God. Repentance is, a, is God's gift to us. Where God says to us, I've got something better for you. And all you've got to do is accept it. Repentance isn't about God smacking us in the bottom or anything else, but it's about God saying, I've got something better in store for you. And all you need to do is accept it. I love the fact that in the midst of uncertain time, we can have a rock solid certainty. Because God as a promise for us. In the book of Joshua, chapter one, Joshua comes in as the new leader of the nation of Israel. He's young, he's enthusiastic, but he's also freaking out and he's really, really scared. God says three times in four verses. Like that's a lot of times to say the thing in a very short space of time. He says these words, exact words, three times in four verses. He says this to Joshua and He says this to each one of us this morning. 
He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And He says to you this morning, you know what? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For your God. I love the fact that He uses the word your. It doesn't just say that, but it's very personal. He says, but your God. You know that God? Yeah, your God. Your God is with you wherever you go. When you're faithful to God in the hard times, you'll be fruitful in His. See, our God is faithful, isn't He? Our God is faithful for every season, regardless of what our situation looks like. The promises of God is that He is watching over us. The promises of God is that that He is building us. And the promises of God is that He has a promise for you. And His promise is that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult or easy the situations are, that He is with you. God gives Jeremiah a vision. Two groups of people going through difficult seasons and one group come back to God with all of their heart and they produce good fruit. The other group run from God and they don't need Him because they don't need, well, they think they don't need Him and they produce bad fruit. And you see, you know what? Every one of us at one point, we're in the second group. Yeah, every one of us, we're at some point where we're in the second group. You see, we all sinned. We all made mistakes. We all blew it. We all did things wrong. We all screwed up somehow or other. And we were rotten on the inside. Unacceptable before a good God, a perfect God. But God is good. And God is faithful. And God is with us and God is for us. And He made a way for us to come back to Him. He made a way through His Son, perfection dying for my junk and my mess. And see, the difference between good and the difference between good fruit and bad fruit isn't the mistakes that we made. Isn't the errors that we did. But it's our willingness to repent. So after five months of not being able to have this moment, this morning, believing is for someone here this morning that just needs to say yes to Jesus for the first time. If you're honest with yourself, now is a moment where you've been feeling like the Holy Spirit is prompting you and stirring you to repent. What is repentance, as I said before? It's, it's realizing that God has got something better. He's got something better for you. you acknowledging where you're at and taking it and asking for new life. It's a repentance and a faith in Jesus. So this is the best moment. So while everyone's eyes are looking at me, I want to ask you this morning, where are you with Jesus? This morning, do you need to give your life to Jesus and say, yes, 
Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus, I've made mistakes. Yes, Jesus, I've blown it and I've screwed up and I've done things wrong. But God, I want to exchange my imperfection for your perfection. God, this morning, I want to say sorry and I want you to come into my life from this moment on. Church, what we're going to do, why don't you just reach your hands out to people who've got their hands raised. If we can just raise our hands again. And why don't we just pray that God would fill through His Spirit again that God would give boldness and courage again, that God would help us again. We're all broken. We all make mistakes. But God, we just need more of you. God, we are desperate. So come on, church, let's pray together. Let's lift our voices. Let's pray for the people around us. God, we just pray, Lord. God, we thank you for each and every person that's raising our hands together. God, we need more of you. God, we want to be more desperate for you because God, we want to grow more fruit that impacts more people. fill us again through your Spirit. God, strengthen us. Give us courage and boldness. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.